Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking at dinner or cutting the grass, which you turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. Let's go to Acts 4. First, let me show you something real quick in Acts 3. Now, remember, this is the church. Okay, this is the real church. This is what church looks like. The only place you can find what the church looks like, really looks like, is in the book of Acts. You can see letters to the church, but in the book of Acts, you actually get a history of how the church started to look. And we're not going to go about Pentecost and all that again, um, but just go to Acts 3. And so one afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for a three o'clock prayer. So they were still going through the regular prayer that they were doing in the temple. How cool is that? They didn't have to separate from uh, their background of where they were walking. So we don't have to separate from the Baptist church or the Methodist church or wherever it was that you really started hearing and learning about God. You don't have to knock them and act as if what they're doing and their traditions don't matter. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm over it. I'm over all the judgmental, critical accusation. And I've repented myself, okay? We've got to bring unity. All right. As they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth. He was born crippled, okay? Being carried in place at the entrance to the temple. By the way, you'll see he's 40 years old later. He was often brought there to beg for money from those who were going into worship. So... The traditional church back then, they came in at three. This man sat there never expecting to be healed, but expecting people to give him money and help him, okay? When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, look at us. Now, let me say, this doesn't say we don't help people with money. First of all, if you can really get them not to be crippled anymore, then they'll gladly give up their mat and everything they have to have back there to to be somebody who qualified to beg for money, okay? So so don't think this is saying don't help people. Just help them in a bigger way. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man. What were they doing? They weren't just handing him a handout. They weren't just like, okay, we're not embarrassed. They looked straight into his eyes. They connected with this person. They connected with this person and they said, look at us. They didn't say, look at Jesus, right? Then they're saying, look at us. That's powerful. We're all taught to do anything but that, right? Look at us. Expecting a gift, he gave them his attention. But Peter says, I don't have money, but I'll give this to you. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Well, when I do the teaching on uh, this Saturday on effective prayer, we'll go over this a little more, but the name of Jesus, the word name means to 
The word name comes from the base word that means to know. It's the same kind of to know as a husband and a wife knows each other, as you really know and understand your child. It's a kind of knowing that you really know. And the name of Jesus is going to have the most power in your life when you really know him, okay? When you really know him, when you know what he would do, how he would do it, he's leading you, but you know him. And, and no one could ever take that away. You know him. You know him. And so that's where the name has the power, just so you know. So they said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The reason they say of Nazareth was because this was still pretty new. There was a lot of people named Jesus, Yeshua. And so they wanted to make sure. Now, we're talking about the Yeshua of Nazareth, you know, the one that was just crucified. That's why they put that in there. Now he says, now stand up and walk. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. I don't know if right hand makes a difference, but he might have just been right-handed. But you can try right hand if you're trying for formula. See what happens. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. As he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, and began to walk around. All right. He did not pull the man up. The man was not walking yet. But let me go further to say they knew who Jesus was. They knew his name. So when they pulled him up, the, they knew also the power came out of them. Okay, you can tell when power comes out of you. Okay, it was power. It wasn't anointing. It was power. Whoa. Okay, it wasn't just anointing. Very few people are walking in power. Very few people yet are walking in power. Can we just all agree with that? Because don't you think we'd have more healed people than sick people? Peter has so much power, you're going to see in a little bit, that wherever he walked, people laid people in the streets because if they got even close to him because the power on him. How many know we haven't seen that? How many know I haven't had that? How many know I've never been to a meeting that anybody's had that? I've seen the healing gift. I've seen the gift of healing on people. That's a special gift. Not everybody, you can't make yourself get that gift. God's always got an example going, a demonstration going of who he is and how he loves and how he cares. And all of his gifts reveal that. But now we got Peter and, and John here with the power. We don't know for sure. Was it Peter? Peter's the one, I think, put out his hand. Peter held out his hand. All right. He felt the power and it surged out of him and the man started walking. So this isn't the same as pulling somebody in a wheelchair. They fall back down, they fall back down, and you say, you don't have faith. This man had no faith. This was not based on this man's faith. Can I tell you, when the apostolic comes, the real, real powerful healings and miracles are going to have nothing to do with that person's faith. It's going to have to do with the person speaking in the name of Jesus, knowing Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus that's so real and powerful and called by God that they have that kind of power. And if you really want to look at what Peter went through with perfect ministry and how he had to die to self and thinking he could do this on his own, go study Peter before the cross. Go study how he denied Christ. Go study how Christ came back to tell him, hey, I haven't given up on you. Feed my lambs, but feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord. No, do you love me, Peter? Because Peter was getting the revelation that this wasn't about Peter. Every time else, these guys thought it was about them. 
How many know the church is still in that place? Anybody who's bold enough to walk out in it, we still think it's about us. And they had, to, they had to totally fail to a place of hiding out and not even pretending they know him because they were so afraid of being murdered. They had to hide out. They had to recognize, wow, that wasn't, we can't do anything without him here. Without him here, we can't do anything. They're hiding out. They can't do anything. All of a sudden, their great big Holy Ghost party's over. Does everybody get that? All of a sudden, they went from three and a half years of being the cool guys with the cool man and doing the same stuff and going out. And he's not even with us now. Look what we're doing. Walking so proudly. Hey, Jesus, can we sit at the right hand and the left hand? And can we, look, we're so, we're, we are as important as you. You can go study all that, he says. I love Jesus. He knew what they were going to go through. He already knew, right? He knew Peter was going to deny him. He already knew what was coming. He already knew everything. He already knew that John, uh, the, the beloved, wasn't going to die like the rest of them. They wouldn't be able to kill him. And he was, I guess he finally died of old age. In a work camp, while the rest of them are in heaven by now, he's in a work camp writing, having revelation from God that's for the church for now. How powerful is that? Can we shake up anybody thinking they know anything? Amen? You can't do this without God. He's not asking you to. He's never asked you to. He's not asking you to. He's never asked you to. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment stunned. That's when you know it's real. And then he begins to walk around. Can you imagine? Now, this was not just a healing miracle. This was a creative miracle. If you haven't walked your entire life, you don't have any muscles in your legs. You don't have anything. They're not all working right. Do you know what I'm saying? Your brain's not even hardly working right when it comes to your legs moving. If anybody's ever done, had anybody uh, in a situation where they're paralyzed, if they have any hope of them ever walking again, they do physical therapy every day. They come in and they do this. They make sure everything is up. So it was a creative miracle besides a healing miracle for God to come and touch him and he could get up and walk and run. And he was still running. Wow. He wasn't wobbling like we see some people when they get out of a wheelchair and then you look at them later in the back. That's great. They had enough energy spurge or, or just for a second to walk. Praise God, they're trying. I'm not against anything we're doing trying. How many know, though, until we're endued with power, this isn't working that well? And we got to quit pretending that this is it, what we see once in a while or with a gifting. Thank God for Holy Spirit. Thank God he's everywhere. Thank God he's restoring the church. Thank God that we are probably seriously going to be, uh, my generation may not be here for the finale, but your younger generation and their generation is entering into the last of the last days, most exciting time if we're sold out to God. And everything that's going to be laid and start happening in the beginning of this, which I believe BFA is going to be a part of, I don't care if it's internationally, I just know us. It's going to look like ridiculous baby food down the road, okay? Okay, well, that's all right. It's just exciting to be part of something he's doing. 
something he's restoring. Of course, it's going to get more mature. Of course, it's going to get more powerful. Of course, there's going to come uh, the next generation who really catch it and grow and build. And they don't skip everything God's done before. I can show you all this. I don't have time. In, in Acts, when you see Stephen getting stoned, he gets there and tells them their whole history. He wasn't somebody just off the streets that just got saved that doesn't even know what happened in their church or what his history was. He's somebody who's walked it, lived it, knows it, understands it. He didn't just say, forget all that. Let's go here. That's the problem with this generation in America now. They want fast this, fast that. They don't go through anything hardly. They get a little tiny taste of God and a little bit of a gift to get one healing or deliverance. And they think they've arrived because they listen to somebody who's told them that and it's not true. It's fine. You should be walking on everything you learn. But when you think this is it, you're nowhere even close to this. I'm, no, I'm nowhere even close to this. But I know it. I'm still hungry for it. Not for my glory anymore. I want to see this bride without spot or blemish. But wait till you really see what she goes through, everybody. I'm not jumping up and down about that yet. As he went into this, the man jumps up. As he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leaped for joy and shouted praises to God. How wild is this? They're going into regular temple church. Regular, mm, whatever they did in regular temple church. It was pretty religious, except for when they put out the tables to make money that Jesus tore up. And they're walking in, and here's this guy. Yay! Praise God! He's 40 years old. Woohoo! They're like, isn't that, isn't that whatever his name was? Isn't that George who has never walked? Didn't we always think his parents did something wrong? What is he doing jumping in church? And what is he doing with those two? Aren't they... Aren't they those ones who hung out with Jesus? I thought we shut all that down. Oh my gosh, how cool is God? Leaping for joy, shouting praises to God. When all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realized all of a sudden, wait a minute, that's the crippled beggar. We've passed in front of him at the beautiful gates. Can anybody say this kind of dis disturbed the morning? or this is afternoon, this is the three hour, this is the three o'clock prayer meeting. Can we see that the three o'clock prayer meeting, mm -hmm, whatever they, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. here comes this 40 year old guy, jumping, leaping, screaming, hop, arms going, just wild, wild, wild. And here's Peter and John, here's Peter and John, like, okay, we're causing a scene now. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of causing a scene now, all right? And this guy is, and all of a sudden, everybody's looking. I don't know how many people were there, but all of a sudden, they're like, wait a minute. That's the same guy that's been outside begging before every service for years. We know he doesn't walk. What is going on? Now, remember, it hasn't been that long ago that they just crucified Jesus Christ, and they thought they stopped all this. Whew. When all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realized it's the crippled beggar they had passed by in front of the beautiful gates. Astonishment swept over the crowd. They were amazed at what had happened to him. Can I tell you, when somebody really gets a healing, there should be amazement. Amen? There should be excitement when somebody gets healed, delivered, set free. If, if you ever just think that that's normal, I wonder if you've ever really seen it. But something's wrong with you if you can't be celebrating. If you're not celebrating... Every time you see, for me, every time I see 
baby John, Talia and Caleb, bringing that little boy who only had three chambers to his heart. He was not going to be able to even live one second outside of the womb if he made it. And then from there, he had an aorta thing that, um, oh no, then deformities. Deformities in his hands and his limbs. And so he was in an extreme case of this syndrome. And then you look at that cute little face and those perfect little fingers and toes. And you see his heart's beating fine. If you don't get excited about that, something is wrong with you. It doesn't matter if they had taken him somewhere else and he got prayer there and it happened. Who cares where? It could only happen by God. It could only happen by God. It could only happen by God. And for me, it's like, I want to see this kind of miracle all the time. And I want the world to see it. And I want more people than huddled up over in our little corner of the world where God's hiding us for now to know. And I want to understand it. And I don't want to touch God's glory because who are we to ever touch his glory for real? Same thing. You look around, there's miracle after miracle after miracle. Never, ever don't thank God. Once you lose your thankfulness for a miracle and go back to normal, didn't have God life, it's a sad thing. Dumbfounded. it over what they were witnessing. The crowd ran over to Peter and John. Oh no, oh no, Peter and John are causing a spectacle in organized church. Now they're not trying to, okay? They're not trying to. Does everybody get that? They're not trying. They're not standing up saying, hey everybody, I know we don't do this in this church, but did you see this guy just got healed? Now, if they were outside, they'd probably do that. But they weren't doing it in this church because they were respecting this church. They were going there because they chose to go there. They were going there, and they were going to do, unless they were told to stop, they were going to do what they were told to do there unless God did something else. In other words, they weren't trying to draw attention to themselves. They didn't heal this guy to draw attention to themselves. I'm sure they enjoyed it. Not the attention necessarily, but they really enjoyed that he got healed. Okay, I, I think every time you ever see the disciples, they're thrilled Thrilled, 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 thrilled that Holy Spirit is flowing through them. Thrilled that Jesus Christ is real. Thrilled that they didn't walk away from him when he said the hard sayings when everybody else did. They are thrilled that God is alive. And they're thrilled that he's working through them. So anyway. Dumbfounded. It says, okay. Dumbfounded over what they were witnessing, the crowd ran to Peter and John, who were standing under the covered walkway called Solomon's Porch. Standing there also was the healer, healed beggar, clinging to Peter and John. He was so thankful. He was so thankful. He was so thankful. So, so don't get upset if God starts to use you in healing people and helping people. Don't get upset if they, make, uh, they have a really strong relationship with you. Not because of you unless you're codependent mess, but because they're so thankful that you know God. They're so thankful that what you have is real. They're so thankful for what God has done for them. Don't get them to look at you. You never see Peter and John trying to get them to look at him, but the truth is this guy knew, I don't know what's going on, but thank you. Thank you. With the crowd surrounding him, Peter said to them all, now, I don't know much about this. The Solomon's porch, that's not actually in the temple, right? 
Check and see. So right when you walk in before you go inside the temple, right? Okay, so all this is happening as they're going in the temple before they get into the temple, like right inside. I think that might also be where Jesus tore over the, ta the tables. But anyhow, so, so all this excitement is going around as they're getting ready to go inside. And it's still part of the temple, but you've gone through the gates, and now it's where I guess everybody's staying as they're getting ready to go in, and he starts preaching there. Um, Peter says, people of Israel, listen to me. Why are you so amazed by this healing? Why do you stare at us? Why did, we didn't make this crippled man walk by our own power or authority. That is so powerful. You've, that's humility. That's humility. They knew they can't do it unless God does it. They knew, they knew when they looked in his eyes and they felt the presence of God, they knew God was going to do this. It wasn't hit and miss like we have in the church today. Right? Because they were hearing God. They were walking. I'm not against people practicing kind of, but really, it, we need to do this in the order that God has it in the sense of people don't listen to us or believe us because we pray for 50 people and one maybe gets, well, even if you get, we pray for 500 people and one gets healed. Most people are looking at the 499. Now, thank God for the one who got healed, right? But how many aren't satisfied that God's not getting his glory because he wants all of them healed that really are looking to him? Or all, he's going to reveal himself in this last day. He's not going to just make it just exceptions. Can I get an amen? He's going to have a people who know him, who know when to pray, who know what to do. And, and he's going to get the glory. And they were humbled enough now to know. How many know Peter was very humbled? So much so he, he didn't even know if he ever could look Jesus in the face again. And look what Jesus said. He restored him. Jesus, Jesus like, hey, Peter, feed my sheep. What is he saying to Peter? Peter, you, you found out that you can't do this the way you thought. You found out without me you're really not able to do anything. You found that in your own strength, you cut off people's ears and make a mess. But guess what, Peter? This was never supposed to be about you. Let that sink in. This was never supposed to be about you. It's all about God. It's all about God and his glory. Then God, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has done this. For he has glorified his servant, Jesus, the one you denied to Pilate's face when he decided to release him, and you assisted that he be crucified. And we're not going to keep going into this, but I just want you to see this. He's telling them a hard thing. He's saying, you all crucified him. You were in that crowd yelling, crucified. He knows they really did it. They were in the crowd yelling, crucify him, crucify him. You but I, and he said, I want you to know, this isn't like something new. This is that. This is him. This is him now revealing who he is through us. This is all about God. And now listen to the message. Now listen to the message. You couldn't kill this message. You couldn't stop this message. How many know, even when the enemy tries to bring the dark ages, he cannot stop the message of Jesus Christ. He cannot stop Holy Spirit people doing what God wants. That's why as we enter into the darkest of times, okay, so get rid of itchy or preaching where people are saying this is going to be the most blessed time we've ever been in, okay? Just they've, 
okay, just, they need to get some deliverance from the lust of the flesh or something, okay? Because everything has to be happy, good, and prosperous. Can I tell you, you cannot believe that. <gasps> because everything's going to be dark, 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 and light, 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 light. Dark, 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 and light, 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 light. Because the light is going to shine in the darkness. So filthy is going to get filthier and righteousness is going to get more righteous, okay? And so what does that mean? It means he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. He will take care of us. He promises. But somewhere in this before he comes again is going to come us getting back into this kind of understanding of the apostles and also beginning to see what the church really looked like because other nations that have had to be underground have already done some of these things, okay? And I do believe we're going to win um, what's coming up, but I don't believe we're going to win it <laughs> so we can go back to the American dream. I believe we're going to win so that we can become part of God's end-time purpose for raising up powerful apostolic people and ministries and a, and a youth that cares about nothing but Jesus Christ. And you will not be able to stop what God is going to do. And as the crazy people get more wicked, we're going to have to heal more people. We're going to have to do more creative miracles. We're going to have to multiply more food. We're going to have to walk in this divine place that he's made for us because we're going to need to. So he goes on. Let me see. Um, so he goes on. Um, let's go to four now. I just wanted to set that up for this part in four. You can read the rest. I don't have time to do all that. Okay, then four. All right, so you hear all this that he's saying. You can read the rest. Acts 4.1. Then teaching and preaching, Peter and John angered the priest. All right, now the fancy people are getting there. The religious people are getting there. The priest, this is their temple meeting. What are you doing here? And the captain of the temple police and representatives of the Jewish sect, the Sadducees, they were furious that the people were being taught that in Jesus there is resurrection from the dead. So while Peter and John were still speaking, the Jewish authorities came to the temple courts to oppose them. They're like, wait a minute. This goes against our religious thinking. This goes against our religious thinking. This, this is not right. We don't believe. This group of believers at this particular thing, the leaders, don't believe in the, being resurrected from the dead. They had them arrested. And since it was already evening, they kept them in custody until the next day. How many have seen people have got arrested fighting for our freedoms and gone to jail? How many know there's a lot of people been in jail for over two years now for things they probably didn't do? I call them our heroes. But God is saying, my church had better be ready to be heroes. Not that we try to be, okay? We're not trying to get in trouble. I don't want to go to jail. I mean, I think it was pretty clear when 2020 surprise happened how many totally closed their doors and didn't even try to have meetings or didn't even try to pray to stop it or anything else. And, and I just really believe that that was a wake-up call to where we're really walking. And there were some heroes during that. Cheyenne was a hero in Los Angeles. He would not close his church. And there were others. Um, I really think we learned a lot during that. You know, our church, 
we, 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 I'm a, we followed the rules, but we were allowed to have church. We just had to have a ton of services. If you could only have 10 people or 15 people or whatever per service, we had to figure out how many people came here, and we just had a lot of services. If you didn't come, that was your choice, but we were open maybe five times a week. And then we, were, we had a great time in the parking lot. And so at that point, I could still do everything God was calling me to do, everything he was calling me to do. And because of our size church, we didn't have to break any of the laws to go to jail. Or they wouldn't put you, whatever they do, take away your, your license. Okay, so, so that was how he showed us to do it. And it's not for me to say how he shows somebody else to do it or not to do it. But, but I just knew we're going to keep doing this. Plus, we, we had been online for years before that. So that wasn't hard to keep everybody able to see what's going on. And I'll be honest with you, the most powerful intercession and the most important thing up to this time that this church has ever done was during those years, especially that first year. 2020, this church was more powerful, and those who came out and those who were part of that intercession, how amazing is it what God did? And what we're watching now, I'm not saying just us, I don't know what everybody else does, I will say this, what we're watching now, every bit of it, God has shown us, God has revealed to us, and God turned things around. Satan is afraid of prayer. He was trying to close down the church. The church is the only one who can stop. The church is the only um, thing. The bride of Christ is the only thing that can stop the enemy in this hour. But by us doing our part and others doing their part, however that is, then these heroes in the natural show up, right? And then most of them are believers. And they'll be really empowered with that. It's amazing, amazing to watch all this happening. So I'm telling you, this isn't so we go back to how it was. This isn't so our whole nation is about money and, 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 and pursuing disgusting things, okay? God's going to shake everything. He did not shake this nation. And he's not in the process of shaking this nation so we can be the filthiest nation. We should not be putting out more pornography and more garbage than we're putting out the word of God. So, so get ready for the big, the big clash coming. I'm not personally excited about, I'm excited about God bringing unity that people want freedom. I don't see the unity yet that people want God, right? They want freedom. They want freedom to sin. They want freedom to make a lot of money. They want freedoms. And then there are those who really want freedoms to worship God. But either way, God's bringing this nation back together to have freedom. But his purpose is that this nation worships God. I mean, his purpose is that we take the gospel to the nations, but also a place that helps protect Israel. He really has divine purposes. He's really not just saying, okay, go back to normal, do your garbage, do whatever you want. And he's talking to Christians too. It's not okay. He's a holy God. They had them arrested. They spent the night in jail. That's not fun. Yet they were, that's not in there. That was me. They probably had a great time. Yet there were many in the crowd who believed the message. Now listen to this. Bringing the number of men who believed to nearly 5,000. 5,000 people got saved in that little tiny scuffle of the man getting healed, really getting healed. So something is wrong that we're seeing all these miracles, but we're not seeing 5,000 get saved when we see these miracles. 
So we need to go to God for that. What is going on, God? Why is it that we can see miracles like this? We've seen miracles like that. Um, others have seen miracles like that and beyond that. Now, I will say in Mozambique, they are seeing thousands and thousands get saved with these miracles. So that's something to really ask ourselves in the U.S. of A. Why don't they believe that we're having these miracles? Why don't they hear about it? What's going on? It's something for us to do when we intercede and pray. Lord, open the eyes. They've, they've been able to just pretend these things aren't happening. I think part of it is we've said too many things happened that didn't happen. I think they don't believe us. I think our credibility is low because there's so many people who think they're doing things for God and there's no proof that it really happened. And then they look at the fruit of everything else and they question, is any of this real? So how I many know God's going to really, really be doing a work in us to get us into this apostolic move, right? And he wants us to want that work. He, it needs to be about Jesus. He's shaking everything else. All right. I want to get to this part, then we're going to get into worship. There were as many in the crowd who believed in the message, bringing the total number of men to 5,000. What, what if we had a, what if, can you imagine church growth if 5,000 can be saved in one day at one meeting and then the word spreading? I want you to start to get vision why you're going to need to open your homes for Bible studies and why you need to really know how to do that and it not be about you. Uh, we want to see, we don't need to try to see churches close down. We just want to see God's power get into churches. We are going to need everything we have available plus more to handle this outpouring that's coming. How many know the thing that, that, that started um, at that college and then they closed it down? Control closed it down in a minute. Okay, well, something was off there that, Coke, that it could be closed down so fast. I'm not saying it wasn't real. I'm saying they, weren't, they didn't close down Jesus. They didn't close down these guys. Hopefully those people didn't close down who really encountered God. God's going to take it outside of where people won't let him move. But if it's real, it keeps growing. If it's real, it keeps growing. If it includes more than a worship song and feeling God's presence, okay? I will tell you, salvation is more than having an encounter with God. And then for sure that it was really God they had somebody had an encounter with. Salvation is a hunger to know God and to know his word. Salvation is a hunger to be, to be changed into his likeness. Salvation is God help. Salvation is a whole different kingdom, everybody. And, and I think, I personally think the shaking and the things we're going through is going to cause, well, it says it's going to cause a great falling away. Some people only want the excitement of it, especially if they can keep living their filthy. You can't keep living your filthy life and be in Christ. Just so you know it, you can't. Amen. You can get deliverance, you can get help, but the two don't go together. And you're not having powerful encounters with God if you're actually watching pornography. I don't care who you are. And that's where he just, I'm just believing, even today, I'm believing there's going to be anointing in this place where people who've been struggling with things are going to find freedom. 
They're just going to find freedom. I'm believing for God to start increasing the amount of power and authority and anointing for people to just want God and get free. The next day, many Jewish leaders, religious scholars, elders of the people convened a meeting in Jerusalem. The high priest was there, and then he lists these other people that were big wigs. They were all members of the high priest family. And they brought Peter and John and made them stand in front of the council, and they questioned them, saying, Tell us by what power and authority have you done these things? Well, it would be kind of nice if there was enough of us doing anything in power and authority that somebody would question us and ask us how we did that. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a big key. Respected, he says, respected elders and leaders of the people, listen. Are we being put on trial today for doing the act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Well, then you and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today completely healed. Let me tell you, if you ever want to use that name, if you ever want to use that name and you ever want to see real miracles and you want to see real deliverance, you need to know Jesus. You need to have a focus that I want to know you, Jesus. Not just to do miracles. I want to know you because you're God and I want to know you. I want to know you because you made a way for me to know you. I want to know you because you went through all that suffering, went to hell and the grave and everything else, rose again with the intentions that I could know you, release your Holy Spirit, send him inside of us if we get born again to empower us to know Jesus. We are empowered not to do miracles. We're empowered to know Jesus. We're empowered to know Jesus Christ. We're empowered to know him. We're not, and that's why kill the lust of the flesh, kill the lust of the eyes, kill the pride of life so it can be pure, your motive for knowing Jesus. And then get a heart. I want to know Jesus. If you come here, my prayer is you come here because you want to know Jesus. And we're supposed to not forsake the fellowshipping together, so thank you guys for coming. If you give here, because we almost forget to do the offering every time now, I still hope you give here. Okay, we give to Israel, we give to the things the Lord shows us, but you're giving to what God's doing here. You're giving to the radio going, show going out there. You're giving to people hearing, people in the jail. We're still the most asked for program in the jail on the radio. How cool is that? That's about his kingdom. Peter says, Peter's the one doing most of the talking, not John, huh? He goes, well, he, he's almost seen the words you heard Jesus say before. Am I being put on trial for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Well, then you and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today, completely healed. You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. This Jesus is a stone that the that you, the builders, have rejected and now has become the cornerstone. Okay, I don't care what teaching you hear, where you go, what they're doing. That's between you and God. If Jesus is not the cornerstone, when it begins, the Father's, is, the Father's not the cornerstone. The Holy Spirit's not the cornerstone. There's a lot of teaching that tries to skip Jesus as if we're just like him now. You'll never be him. 
You'll never be God. You'll never be the, you'll never be Jesus. You'll never be the bridegroom king. You will never be Jesus. Can everybody be okay with that? That he would even come and reveal himself and make himself a human being, put himself in flesh, that we can relate to him, that we, we are made to belong in the family of God. It's never to make him something you just get past. He is the cornerstone. You do not hear them sitting here preaching about Holy Spirit right now. You don't see them preaching about the Father right now. They're preaching Jesus, okay? You, they healed in the name of Jesus. You don't heal in any other name. And they're one. We're not going to get into all that. But Jesus Christ is the Son of Man. Jesus Christ is the Lord of mankind. Jesus Christ is. He is always always the one you seek after he's always the one you want to know he says when you see me you've seen the father if you want to know what the father's like look at jesus and keep looking at jesus some people thought they outgrew jesus and they're way off in a mess can you ever outgrow jesus how ridiculous there is no one else who has the power to save us, for there is only one name to whom God must, has given authority by which we must experience salvation. Salvation is salvation, born again. It's deliverance and it's healing. It's, it's peace. Everything that you need to be completely uh, hidden from darkness is only in Jesus. Everything you need to be completely hidden is hidden in Jesus, okay? It's all in Jesus, Okay, the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage. Okay, listen to this. This is really important. They listened the bold courage, the bold courage of Peter and John. How many have seen, as we're going through this, we're watching very courageous, what I call heroes, in the political arena right now? We're literally watching heroes in the political arena Real heroes. Why? All you look at is you look how courageous they are. We're praying for them. We pray divine protection for them. They're giving up their lots of money. They're giving up their easy lifestyles. They're not bow bowing to the lies of the enemy. And I'm just amazed by them. God's going to make us courageous. They witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John especially when they realized they were ordinary men who had never had religious training. They're like, wait a minute, they didn't go to anybody's seminary. They, they don't have a certain denomination over their identity. Who taught them this? How do they know this? So this baffled the religious people. God's going to use some people who haven't gone through their seminaries and their schools to baffle them. How could they know this? Then they begin to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Ooh, that's powerful. There should be an effect on your life by spending time with Jesus. There should be an effect on your life by spending time with Jesus. There should be an effect on your life by spending time with Jesus. If you still have a roadblock to spending time with Jesus, that's your biggest problem in your life. If it's blatant sin, then you know where that roadblock is and you can begin to cry out for mercy and ask God to forgive you and mean it and watch that roadblock leave. If it's something else, whatever it is, then it's time to get some deliverance because you really seriously want to spend time with Jesus. 
standing there with them was the healed man. There was nothing else they could say. They ordered everyone to leave the room while they discussed the matter. What should we do with this Jesus? What should we do with these men? Everyone in Jerusalem can clearly see that they performed a notable sign of wonder. We can't deny it. In other words, okay, everybody knew that guy was really crippled for 40 years. It wasn't kidding. And now we all know he's really. What does this show us about real miracles? It needs to be around people who know you. People aren't believing this stuff. They see somebody come up uh, necessarily um, on a, in a coliseum and say they were healed. The skeptic's not believing it. This even got to the skeptics, although all these people were of the faith of, of being a Jewish temple. But what broke through to them? We knew this person. You want to know what's going to break through in your family? When you really get a miracle, when you really see a miracle, and you, and you also live it out. You live like Christ. You don't lose that miracle because you decide to go back to the world. And then that really, that really talks to people, everybody. Because they know nobody could have done this. And if they really love, then they're, they're going to get saved. He goes, we've got to keep this propaganda from spreading any further among the people. Let's threaten them severely and warn them to never speak to anyone in this name. So they had brought them back in before the council. They commanded them to never teach the people or speak again using the name of Jesus. Does anybody kind of, are you getting this even before I teach this on a course at some point? Are you getting this name of Jesus thing is like really important? Like really important? Like if you're asking God for things and you're never asking in the name of Jesus. Let me say this. If you're asking in the name of Jesus and it's not happening, you don't know Jesus. You don't know him well enough. You haven't spent time with him. You haven't been seeking him. You haven't been asking for him. You haven't been after him. Maybe you're after this or trying to have this or signs and wonders or just having fun, whatever. The key is wanting Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. Holy Spirit, introduce me to Jesus. Holy Spirit, teach me about Jesus. Lord, when I read this word, could you show me Jesus? Could you help me see Jesus? Help me see Jesus. I want to know Jesus. Make it real for me, God. Make it real for me. I want Jesus. I want Jesus as the most important relationship in my entire life. Make it that real for me. Look, these, these religious leaders never teach the people or speak again using the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, you can judge for yourself. Is it better to listen to you or to God? It's impossible for us to stop speaking about all the things we've seen and heard. If you get tired of me telling you my testimonies, too bad. It's impossible for me to stop speaking about all the things I've seen and heard. And I've seen and heard a lot. I've seen and heard a lot. I'm not making things up. These are all personal things I've walked in, been involved in, have really seen. Even when I listen, oh, this is wild. Can I tell you, you don't have to have a big name and everybody know who you are to have unbelievable things that you've seen or heard because you're yielded to God. There's more people yielded to God and knowing Jesus Christ who've seen powerful things than the few that God had put on a pedestal to help encourage all of us. And if that's not happening, something's wrong. 
There should be so many stories of what we've seen and what we've heard and what God has done. And you have to step out and take some of those adventures. You have to go on some of those mission trips, okay? You have to decide to, to go do things that you wouldn't normally do to see God move and, and, and do. But let him show you what to do. So I'm never trying to hinder people from stepping out. I will say this. It needs to be a stepping out, but also a being changed, a stepping out and a being changed. Okay. The two have to go together. He's a holy God. You're not going to know him very well if you hang on to sin, just so you know, it doesn't work that way. It absolutely doesn't work that way. Why do you think he's called the Holy Spirit? He's the Holy Spirit. He comes inside of unholy people who ask Jesus, he only can come inside of unholy people because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He only comes in to, he only comes in because we declare Jesus is Lord. What does it mean? We're going to do this different now, Jesus. You are the Lord of my life. I'm not the Lord. The world's not the Lord. The devil's not the Lord. Religion's not the Lord. You are the Lord of my life. And I mean it. Lord means master. You are in charge. You are in control. And when that happens with all the, every single sin and stupid thinking, it's all still inside of you. Every demon, everything, it's in there. And the Holy Spirit comes in. No wonder they're shaking. It's like, it's like Holy Spirit comes in, not like this is what happened. Holy Spirit comes in. He says, hey, I'm now in charge. And every demon inside of people is angry, upset, every hurt place, everything going on. It should be a shaking experience to get saved. Do you not know with the mess that the world's in when they start coming in? Oh, my goodness. We don't want them getting into the presence. People say the presence. They don't even say presence of what? You rarely hear Paul. Paul will tell you his encounters, and he will tell you how much they changed him. And they're, they, they're, <laughs> they're, they're experiencing Jesus Christ, everybody. He has a name. His name is not presence. Now, when you start hearing these buzzwords that take the place of the name of Jesus, it's because the enemy is doing something. It doesn't mean everybody who says, I love his presence, isn't talking about Jesus. It means some of them aren't. And they don't know the difference. Yeah, if you did drugs and you come to church and there's the presence, Satan's going to give you a presence unless you want Jesus. If you were into new age or you into any kind of cultish stuff, if you were opened your spirit to anything, witchcraft, and you want to come and you want the presence, oh, believe me, the presence that hasn't been cast out of you yet is going to make sure you have some kind of experience. And you can make it look just like the same. I'm just going to say, remember, I remember we used to go to these worship conferences that were awesome. And there was a man, he, wouldn't care, he, he would cheer me on telling you this. I know he will. And there was this man named Wade awesome musician, awesome worship song, just so sad Satan took him out way before his time. But he let him because of the lust of the flesh. He thought he could do some side drugs or do some prescription drugs and do stuff and still be okay with God. And he played it off for a while. But we used to go to these conferences and I didn't know anything like I know now. And so we take a group to these worship conferences when everybody, that was the big thing, it was awesome. It was awesome. 
And I noticed I'd be entering into the real presence of the Lord and I would really be encountering Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was showing me things and I was being convicted of issues and God was changing my heart. And it wasn't all about happy, happy me. Truthfully, when you come into the presence of God, would you go look at the book of Isaiah when he saw that he had he was unclean, that he saw he had unclean lips. That's the real presence of God, everybody. That's the real presence of God. This cute little, oh, I'm just, that's not probably God. That's the presence that you're entering in because you're still a drug addict. That's the presence you're entering in because you're still into sex perversion. That's the presence you're entering in because you were a new ager. That's the presence you're in. Do you understand what I'm saying? This has got to be back about Jesus. Plain, simple Jesus. Run when they're not talking about Jesus. When they talk about something more than they talk about Jesus, just go ahead and leave. You've never been in this church and not heard the name of Jesus at least who knows how many times in a message. No matter how deep I've gone in God, no matter how much I've grown in God and how many things I said, it's always about Jesus and knowing him and knowing him more 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 and knowing him more. It isn't about me. It isn't about you. It isn't about you proving anything. It's about him. But I remember we went to this one meeting this concert, and I was just enjoying God. It was so awesome, the worship music and the stuff that was going on. It was so awesome. And I looked over at Wade. Now, he was an extreme, he was into heroin, all kinds of stuff before he came to the ministry. And he had a season of being free. He just decided he could have both. It didn't go well for him, but we'll be telling that testimony sometime soon because it's actually in the book. So I look over at Wade, and he's like into some weird-looking thing. I didn't really, he was getting high, but it wasn't from God. It was from Satan owning that part of his brain. You know, all drugs do is they go to a certain part of your brain that God created for pleasure, for his presence, for his real, to experience him. And if you don't cast that thing out and get rid of that spirit that took residence in that part of your brain, you can get in a true anointing and that demon will make you high and you think it's God. How many know the church has a lot of cleaning up to do? We have a lot of cleaning up to do. A lot of cleaning up to do. And people don't even know the difference. Well, you can tell the difference by the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience. What their family life looks like. How God is working. How humble are they? How much is God really changing them? What's really going on? Because anybody can have a counterfeit that fast. That fast. But the real takes real relationship. The real takes really dying to self. The real takes really in the word. The real takes really being healed. The real is something that a powerful father brings into our life. And he matures us and he helps us and he corrects us and he rebukes us. And too few, the churches are so big, people don't even know who's messed up and who isn't. And so the whole place gets mixture and messed up. And people get upset here because you shouldn't say that. I'm going to say what needs to be said. I'm not against anybody. I want everybody free. If I didn't humble myself and tell you what God set me free from, then I probably wouldn't say what you need to be free from. But usually whatever I'm saying, there's more than one person who needs it and the more who's watching who need it and more who's going to hear it later who needs it. It's time for the church to realize this is like the book of Acts. This is not kidding. When you, they didn't even think of the kind of stuff that happens in the church today happening. And they corrected it. They corrected what happened in the Corinthian church. They corrected when there was all kind of false spirituality. All the letters, read them. Read those letters as corrections. Some of those, they're so full of corrections it's not funny. Because a good father brings correction. Amen. 
So when we go on, he says, um, we're going to stop here in a minute. He says, you judge for yourself. Is it better to listen to you or to God? It's impossible for us to stop speaking about all the things we've seen and heard. If you don't, if you're not speaking about the things you've seen and heard, maybe you need to repent for not seeing and hearing anything for a while. If all the things you've seen and heard are 10 years ago in your past or five years ago in your past, why? Why, why is not what you're seeing and hearing now? Because you're probably backslidden. <gasps> but I, no, this is an ongoing, <laughs> I don't, you know, if you're in a relationship with someone, anyone, and, and you, you're with them and you see them every day, you should be, I should be able to tell you something. I could tell you a whole lot right now, but what my husband's going through right now at work, working 12-hour shifts, I could tell you some fun things. I don't have to go all the way back and say, oh, yeah, when we first got married. I could tell you about things with him when we walked through uh, the death of our daughter. I can tell you what it was like and how it hurt him seeing our son so sick. I can tell you things about him. And I can tell you things about him yesterday. And I can tell you things about him this morning, although he was just, he's so tired. See, that's a real relationship. That's a real relationship. Does everybody get that? And then when you have this real relationship, you can't stop. So people who say you talk to, why aren't you telling people, get free? You're supposed to be telling people. It says so. He says, where's it at? It's impossible for us to stop speaking of all the things we've seen and heard. So if it's not impossible for you to keep sharing, if God's doing things in your life, then ask God, why is it that, why is it, Impo more impossible for me to share because maybe the enemy attacked you because he knew you he wanted you to have a voice to share god wants all of us to share what he's doing in our lives every one of us when I, when we ever turn the microphone over and say come up and give a testimony everyone in here should be able to say something that god did in their life that day probably but at least that week but if i did it right now there'd probably be nobody coming up why ask god to set you free from not sharing. Get rid of your judgments about people who share. He wants us sharing. You need to share at work. You need to share, not forced sharing. He, he's saying, we can't help it. We can't help but share. We can't help but share. We're not sitting there looking for the next person we're going to share with so we can say we saved them. Does everybody get that? It's like normal life to share what God's doing in your life. And then you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Your testimony needs to be growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. This is what I saw the Lord do. This is what the Lord is doing. Here's what he's showing me. I don't understand what's going on right now, but this just really different season with me and God. You need to have people you can call and talk to and share. And if you don't do that, ask God why and get free. Ask God why and get free. And then find some people that God puts in your life that you can share. There's nothing that Karen, almost nothing about God that Karen, Nicole, and I, and my sister Donna don't share every single day. And my friend Monica and then a few other people. Do you see what I'm saying? There's people in your life. It doesn't need to be Karen and I. It doesn't need to be somebody, quote, on staff. It needs to be somebody that you really share what God is doing in your life on a regular basis. And you can't wait but to share it. It'd be nice if it includes your spouse. I don't know why, but this one's hitting the room. You can kind of feel when God's like, yes. If Satan's tried to take your voice, take it back. 
take it back. Satan is petrified of believers sharing. I'm not talking about the self-righteous, I'm going to get everybody saved, let me try to say a pre-planned thing. I'm talking about living it. I'm not talking about preaching it at people who, who don't see you as a sphere of influence. I'm talking about living it. I'm telling you, when you're living it, it works, everybody. It's amazing to watch the miracles. It's amazing to watch your family change. It's amazing to hear them ask for prayer. I'm almost finished. Worship team, you're going to get ready to come up. Since the members of the council couldn't come up with a crime they could punish them for, they threatened them once more and let them go. All the people praised God, thrilled over the miraculous healing of the crippled man. And the man who received this miracle was over 40 years old. I'm going to do this part, then we're going to this kind of cool. I really want you to hear this. As soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and explained all that had happened with the high priests and elders. Why am I doing this? I want you to see what real church looks like. Real church is not what happens in these doors, okay? Real church, this is real church. Real church, God's idea of church, God's idea of his called out people is as soon as they left that adventure, they had all these believers, all those who were together, all those in community, all those fellowshipping, and they said, look what happened. Look what happened to us. And they're like, now watch this part. They're like, look what happened to us. Yeah, well, we spent the night in jail. Well, yeah, they beat us. But, you know, look what, they're, they're so excited. They're so excited about what happened. Listen, you know what anybody beat out? Oh, we better hide. We better watch out. No, he, they said, um, as soon as they released, they went and told all the believers. When the believers, listen to this, when the believers heard their report, they raised their voices in unity and prayed. Lord Yahweh, you are the Lord of all. You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that is in them. And by the way, when we get into worship, Karen, we're going to release that. When you hear Karen and the worship team release this, that's about God's sovereignty. We are declaring his sovereignty over our nation. We are declaring his sovereignty. That means he is in charge of everything. Okay, now we know he uses the body to do that. That's the whole authority. This is demonstrating that. They are sitting there taking authority in the name of Jesus. Then when they all get back together and see what happened, they're all talking about, look what Jesus does. Look what God does. And they worship him in his sovereignty, okay? In his sovereignty. They're not just saying, oh, whatever happens is God. That's not what they're saying. That's not sovereignty. They're recognizing, look what God did. God used them to heal him and gave them a platform, gave them a platform to speak to those who didn't accept Christ before. And when they had that platform, thousands got saved. Yeah, they went to jail. Yeah, they got beat, but thousands got saved. And they begin to worship God for souls. They begin to worship God for souls. Really, not somebody trying to talk them into it. Souls who saw a miracle. Souls who saw people boldly stand up to prison, be a murder, anything. They didn't care. They had to glorify God. And they couldn't say what God put in them. And they were so bold. And in that place, thousands got saved. And when they came back together and they all came together and they're all excited, they said, Lord God, you are the Lord of all. You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything in them. And you spoke by the Holy Spirit through your servant David. How our forefathers saying, how dare the nations. Now, this is all the part for intercession. I don't know where Karen is, but you guys. So from Acts 4.24, whoo. 
And keep going. You'll see these are all scriptures we're releasing today in worship. Okay, everybody get this. When we do this today and Karen and them get to this in worship, okay, and they're going to be talking about he's sovereign over the nations, and they're going to be talking about this. This is so powerful. Ooh, I feel this. Whew. Acts 24, 25, 26. And you spoke by the Holy Spirit through your servant David, our forefather, saying, How dare the nations plan a rebellion, ranting and raging against the Lord Most High? Their foolish plots are futile. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. Then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.